Welcome to The Dive Table. I'm Jay Gardner, and with me, I'm super excited to announce, is our second co-host of this new season, coming all the way from the land of the Danes, Denmark, Mr. Ben Boss. Ben, how are you doing today? Very well, my friend, very well. Excited to be on The Dive Table. What time is it for you? It is now uh, 5.30 a.m., 5.30 p.m. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, we're in a little... It's not as bad as... Oh, p.m. P.m. Sorry. Yes. P.m. P.m. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. So, you're, you're awake and alive. The day has... Oh, yeah. You know, you're not yeah. in uh, early, early morning or late, late night, which is good. No. And producer Daniel is here as well, which must mean we are recording another episode of the show. So, Ben, I have been really looking forward to our episodes together because uh just a background here ben is uh an, one an incredible human being we spent a lot of time in my truck together all over florida <laughs> yes, <we laughs> and did. eating well i think for two weeks straight you and i ate almost every meal together yeah um <laughs> so ben is incredible for human being and He's an incredible diver and he's an incredible instructor. So Ben has taught me a ton. And when we were thinking about co-host for this episode, um, I could not wait to ask Ben to come on. The other thing that you might know Ben from is that Ben is also the co-host of the UTD Scuba Diving Podcast. So if you've heard his voice before or you know of his name, um, he's also somewhat, I think you're somewhat YouTube famous as well in the sense that you have like a ton of videos out there. Um, yeah. of you diving. So why don't you give an introduction of yourself rather than me blabber on here? Well, sure. Th thanks for all the praise, uh, Jay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yes, uh, to keep it short, because uh, I've been diving for quite a bit. And if I had to start from the beginning and finish where we are now, I'll be sitting here for a couple of days. But um, so I'll keep it short. Like you said, I'm from Holland originally. I'm born and raised in Amsterdam. Um got a, a job as as a normal salesperson uh, selling everything except houses and boats basically but everything else in between uh, from hi-fi equipment to refrigerators to copy machines to what you name it shoes <clears throat> so eventually i picked up diving uh, as a as a more full-time hobby i was always intrigued because my uncle uh, was a diver um, when I was a kid, like 10, 12 years old. And every time we visit my uncle, we would have these old VHS tapes, or he had, um, which for the younger listeners is like a big cassette tape you put in a big machine <laughs> and it plays a video. Um, and it's not downloadable. <laughs> so, and it was crappy video quality, right? It's, it's VHS. It's like, it's the, the grainiest you've ever seen. Plus it was filmed in the North Sea which has on a good day, three feet of visibility, five feet of visibility. You know, if it was like an exceptional day, we'd have what five meters, which is 10 feet, yeah, maybe more, yeah. Yeah. 15 feet, something like that. But it was so exciting to me because it was wrecks and, you know, fish that all of a sudden came by huge crabs walking. It was, it was the most amazing thing for me. It was my life um real life Jacques Cousteau person right because I'm from that age I'm 45 so I grew up also watching Jacques Cousteau on on television right and and so having an uncle that 
has these videos by himself was just to me, which is fantastic. Eventually, he took me uh, with one of his friends who was a scuba instructor into a pool to do a dive. And I remember it to today. And it's a couple of days ago, right? It, I was 12 years old and I can still remember the red beams of that pool and how heavy the tank was on my back trying to crawl into the water backwards down the ladder. And then that that moment of swimming sort of neutrally buoyant, or I imagine I was neutrally buoyant because I could see the bottom and I wasn't on the bottom. And then I looked up, I see the surface and I wasn't on the surface. That just like kicked something in me. So every time I had a chance, I, I took a little dive with the instructor. Eventually, I um, I got older and got into you know uh, diving as a as a hobby. I took my card, and you know basically haven't left it since. Uh, and when I was from about eighteen years old, I started diving for like bought my own equipment and had a car and all that sort of stuff, and then it kind of took off. Uh, joined a local club and became an instructor with that local club. And then I joined or I went on a holiday with a girlfriend I had back then. And I met a guy who owned a dive shop in Cyprus. And he said, do you want to, do you want to come and work for me for a season? And I'm like, okay, how much does it pay? And he's like, well, you get a hundred euros per week and you get lodging, you know, and, uh, and, and that's it. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, a hundred euros a week. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you must be joking. Are you, do you know how much I make? You know, I, two weeks prior to the holiday, I bought a motorcycle cash. <laughs> I'm like, dude, <laughs> are you fucking joking? There's no way. But then when I came back, I started like, you know, it's planted a seed in my mind and I was like, okay, but wait a minute, I'm young. I'm like in my early, early twenties. Do I really want to be doing this for the rest of my life? And now, you know what? Fuck it. Let's play. Let's do it. And then I you know, was told my girlfriend, let's give this a shot. And, you know, we sold everything we had. It was like expensive. So we had a little bit of a buffer. And then we just went there. And the idea was to three for three months for the summer season there. And after like three weeks, I'm like, damn, this is a nice lifestyle. It was so mm. relaxing. You know, you get that 100 euros a week and, you know, that... It just goes into your drawer and you you get to learn um, skills that you never knew you needed. Like, hey, how do you invite your divers over for dinner? And then the restaurant owner gets to know you. And lo and behold, <laughs> the next time you come in there, you ate for free. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you get all these little tricks. So by the end of the day, that, that 100 euros, man, I always had money left at the end of the week, you know? Mm. So, yeah, as you might have guessed, my girlfriend and I, we split up. I continued traveling and, you know, kept traveling from destination to destination uh, until I ended up in Malta, where I uh, met my current wife. Um, so we we started dating there and traveled a little bit. She was a, a travel guide for a Danish travel company. And um, we traveled a bit together and then she wanted to go back home. Like, okay, I cannot be a dive bum for the rest of my life. So I'll join you. Go to Denmark. It has 7,000 <laughs> kilometers of coastline. So I'm sure I can get my diving kicks in and I'll just find a regular job again. Um, that lasted for about maybe a year and a half. Because um, then people started getting wind of that was an instructor at a lo local job I found. 
and that was ex um, like developing more than I had anticipated. I was starting to look for a little place that could function as a school or a classroom. Then I found something that actually could function as a dive shop. And I figured, let's try. Let's try being Beach Bum again. And uh, we opened the dive center in 2008 and became quite successful, uh, quite fast. And um, actually closed the dive center in 2018 because that's when I joined full-time with UTD where Jeff and I uh, revived um, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, Jeff came back in and we split UTD up uh, as an education company again from the equipment company so that we could focus 100% on the education. We did the website, we did the online Perling program, all that sort of stuff. Then Corona hit, kind of gave us a bit of a, a blow to the nose uh, uh, but we survived and we're actually uh, on a stronger upward trajectory than we have ever been. Um, personally, I think for me, diving is, is a fantastic sport. I, I really enjoy the stuff that, that, um, that puts me uh, in, the, in the thinking seat. So I, I have to think about what I do. So deeper dives, cave, mine dives, all that deeper exploration, you know. If the weather wasn't so bad here in Denmark, I would have been on a um, 70 foot, no, 70 meter, what's that, 250 feet wreck mm -hmm. uh, filming for the local television um, because it's a wreck that sank here in Northern Europe 20 years ago uh, next month. So they want to do a, a little yeah documentary on that wreck and it's actually northern europe's biggest shipwreck uh, wow. so they wanted to film underwater it would be fun to film for them underwater and that's the kind of stuff i i enjoy you know uh, making a little bit of history exploring stuff i mean we went to china a while back exploring unexplored previously unexplored caves that uh, fantastic that sort of stuff really floats my boat so to speak yeah well, thanks for sharing all that. I mean, you you uh, you have a, a wide range of knowledge for sure and experience. And it comes from being in those situations, right? Going to the China expedition, right? And and there's some crazy stories you told me of other things you've done. And um and it's just amazing to to have you on the show. So welcome. Thank you. And I, I think for this episode we wanted to focus for our first one on a key question that really you as Ben boss with all the experience that you've had has have had a front row seat in developing the training to address the question, which is, Hey, if I'm a diver, how do I know my skills are advancing? And I think this is a, a really important question that a lot of people are asking, especially as dive seasons kind of picking back up right now. And you get back in the water and you realize, well, the thing I could do last season, I can't do anymore or you know, those sorts of things. Um, and it's an important question, not only, you know, where we are in terms of our, our skill set, but it's also an important question when it comes to your personal safety in a lot of ways and ultimately the safety of, of the team that you're diving with. So I'm really looking forward to this discussion and can't wait to kind of deep dive into this with you. And kind of get into the question about how do I know my skills are advancing as a diver? So 
you ready to uh, to jump into the episode here? Yeah, for sure. I think first of all, it's a fantastic question. I've once I read it, it's like, yeah, why why on earth haven't we covered this on our own podcast? <laughs> so kudos to you. <laughs> it's a fantastic question. Yeah. All right, let's do it. A podcast for scuba divers everywhere. Take your seat at the dive table with your hosts, Jay Gardner and Ben Boss. Okay, so segment one here, the, the setup, really what we want to talk about is, is what does advancement of skills actually look like? So instead of talking about how do I know I'm advancing, what does it look like for skills to advance? So what types of skills do we need to advance as a diver? I mean, why is that important in the first place? And are there levels? Like, is it, you know, once you learn something, you, you've got it and you've got it for life? Or do you start as kind of, you know, a rookie and you grow into being proficient and then eventually you're, you're a master at putting your fins on, you know, or whatever it would be. So I think this is a good way to kind of get into the setup of, of how to measure or know I'm advancing is what, skills do we need to focus on and are there levels and those sorts of things in the first place and that, that matter to how we grow as a diver so i don't know what are your thoughts there yeah very very uh, well put and i think that's that's a very key point you bring up there because certain things are for life right um like putting on your fins or putting on your equipment i mean it takes a long time of inactivity to lose that skill. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when you're completely new, you kind of not know where they go anywhere. You know, I've had people actually on a, granted, on a tri dive in Thailand, um, standing in the water with a complete scuba set on their back, just about to, you know, pop their face underwater for the first time, holding the regulator in their hand, asking me, where does this go? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, what? You know, I mean, I've always said there's no such thing as a stupid question, and I'm 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 adamant about that. But that one kind of borderlined it because you must have an idea what you signed up for. So, but anyways, that that's beside the point. So I think did you say up your arse? Did you just pause it up? No, I actually made a joke. I said the the two you know the two bits go in your nose, and then you can breathe through that. And she actually tried it, and then I said, no, 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 stop, stop. Just we'll explain. You know. But so, yeah, certain skills you you keep um, putting on the suit and the tricks and the knacks on how to get a wetsuit to fit properly over your back so you can zip it up comfortably or a dry suit and, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, equalization skills, very, very, that become autonomous when you dive, mm -hmm. let's say only after 15, 20, 30 dives, certain things become a habit and become ingrained in you. And that takes a long time for it to, for to erode. However, other skills, more fine-tuned skills, buoyancy skills, fitting techniques, uh, mental games like calculations, staying on track of your gas consumption, all that sort of stuff, that's a definitely a perishable skill. And if the listeners have listened to our UTD podcast, any any episode probably, Jeff and I often digress into uh, endurance training. Because there's many links in, in how we, as a human, perceive training uh, and, and, and diving is more 
looked upon as a mental training and that's it you know if you learn how to put your equipment together and learn how to push what button at what stage in the dive and how to set your computer then happy days you learn all the theory that you're not supposed to swim up fast and all that but what gets looked over time and time again is the fact that scuba diving is a very motory based heavy skill on you as a diver it takes a lot of skill to actually be in control underwater uh, i mean you see this very often people swimming around in tropical waters having learned to dive somewhere and they pick up their camera and they're swimming towards something they want to take a picture of by the time they fish the camera out in front of them they're even closer and now they're maybe too close and 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 by the time they find the button there's like oh uh, oh forget it I'll, I'll pass it on the next time it's almost like sitting in a restaurant with running sushi do you have that in the states <laughs> you know it's, it's you yeah have, yeah what the, it's a little train coming by and then you see that piece coming but you cannot stop the train because you have to pick it, when it <laughs> you know and they must feel like diving is like that or they have no control in reality right and it's kind of accepted oh well that's how it is yeah but mm-hmm. darn it it's not supposed to be like that so mm-hmm. so to come back to what you asked, is, is it even needed? Is it important for the diver in the first place to, to, to be aware of skills that are advancing? I, I would say so, yes. If you want to get the most fun and most enjoyment out of diving, definitely your skills need to advance. And, and now we're not talking about valve drills and gas switches and back kicks and stuff. No, we're talking about compass navigation. We're talking about breathing skills. We're talking about staying in trim, the, the very, very basics of diving, you know, uh, like riding a bicycle. Before you can train to join a Grand Fondo or, you know, uh, ride your bike up uh, the mountains there where you're going to live in San Diego, you got to learn how to ride a bike. You got to know what how the gears work. Because if you can't figure out how the gears work, you cannot go up a mountain. It would, won't work. So definitely there is a, um, a reason why skill level needs to advance. And I think when, you, when you're a new diver, you're on a very steep slope. Very, very, very uh, strong, steep learning curve. Because a lot of new things and a lot of things that are, are quickly um, uh, becoming... Uh, yours like what you can control putting your equipment together becomes faster and faster finding tricks to equalize putting your fins on in surf all that sort of basic stuff that you never knew you needed becomes becomes a a thing you can can know so when you ask me what skills do you need to advance as a diver i always say go to the basics and it's basically for every single level we teach i mean you probably remember it from the instructor course when when we talked about how do i best prepare go to the basics make sure Mm -hmm. that you can solidly plant yourself in the water where you want to be because Mm -hmm. that opens up your mind to take in input that opens up your ability to be more aware and that's end of the day what's what we need right i mean if you're looking at traffic traffic accidents happen because people are unaware it's like oh sorry i didn't see you boom accident of course 
Because if everyone is always aware and sees everything, there will be no accidents, you know? Right. Unless a wheel falls off a car or something like that. Right. So are there levels? Um, well, I think we touched on that. Uh, levels of mastery. Yes, I, I think there are levels, uh, but more in the fact that what kind of skill is in what kind of box, like your basic skills and then you got your specific dive skills. Uh, let's say basic skills are for every dive, right? Uh, basic cycling, handle, bicycle handling is for every time you ride a bicycle, regardless if it's a road bike, a triathlon bike or a mountain bike. Um, but the skill levels in diving have more to do, I think, with what kind of diving you want to go and specialize in. Is it free breather diving? Is it cave diving? Is it technical diving? Is it underwater photography? Those skills require more specific um, training and therefore uh, a whole new level of skill building. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think you point out something really important here too is, is the idea – Again, we we do this for enjoyment, and so sometimes I think that there's this idea of like I need to put in work to enjoy my hobby. You know that there's I work to make money. I don't need to work for my hobby. My hobby is how I get out of you know the hard work part of it. But I think what what is really important, at least what I've observed, is is this idea of comfortability. Like you say with the the sushi, you know, of tray going by, and you and you miss it. Um, you know, when you when you don't have the skills and to just even stop or hold a position, right, um, where you want to be, it what I see on people's faces that are in the water that are experienced that is is a is a frustration and discomfort, right? I'm uncomfortable, 100, because I can't be where I want to be and do what I want to do and see what I want to see. And so, you know, like you said, you have you know when you're able to have these core skills as a foundation, you're then able to not only remove some of that frustration, some of that, you know, uncomfortability that you have under the water, but then it starts to open up the capacity for not just like adding another skill or another thing on top of it, but just to see the environment. Like you really want to experience, you know, that reef when you're in control, when you have these skills somewhat dialed in, then you really have the capacity, the mental capacity to take in the reef, right? To take mm. in the fish life or marine life or those things. And that's where the enjoyment gets tied to, to the skill level in exactly. my mind is that, you know, hey, I'm enjoying this way more because I don't have these other feelings of, of frustration or discomfort because I'm in control. And that that's the thing that I've seen like the, that a lot of, um, you know, divers – that maybe haven't spent the time or haven't thought of it in this way um, in terms of the skills have an immediate uh, – the, the work I should say the work that you put in on, on the skill level have a direct correlation to the level of enjoyment you'll have on, under the water. You yeah. know? And that's, that's kind of the, the thing I think that gets missed sometimes is like people would look at me like I was crazy because I'm getting in the pool working on – you know, a specific skill, whatever that would be, right? Um, I'm working on my back kick, for example. That was my Achilles heel, right? And like learning all this stuff, like it was really, for everyone, there's something that comes up, right? For some people, uh, you know, it's the the breathing techniques. For some people, it's, you know, whatever. But there's one that always sticks out. For me, it was my back kick. So I'd get in the pool 
and I'd work my back kick for an hour. Hmm. And people thought I was crazy. You're, aren't you, don't you want to be diving and seeing the fun fish and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, this is going to allow me to do that way better. And all I got to do is get in the pool. I don't have exactly. to pay for a boat. I don't have to pay for anything. So um, I think that that's, that's an important connection point for people to make is that uh, skill advancement, however you accomplish that, I think we're going to get into that a little bit later in the episode, but however you approach skill advancement has a direct correlation to your enjoyment. And then I'd go as far as even to say that, you know, diving in, in a lot of ways can be expensive. I don't, I don't, wouldn't say we did a whole episode on dive travel that covered, you know, uh, we call it dirt bag diving. Mm. <laughs> where you're just in a, in a van, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Uh, pulling up to a shite all the way to like the luxury liveaboard. So it can be expensive. So if you're spending that much money to get out on the boat, you want to maximize your enjoyment of that time and not be under the water going, oh, this is so uncomfortable. And then I see everyone come up from the dive mm. and under the water. You see just like, you know, if you were Chaos. to give voice to their face, it would be this sucks. Yeah, <laughs> like, this exactly. And then you get up from the dive and everyone says, great dive. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. And you go, really? You didn't look like you were having yeah. so much fun under the water. Like, So I think you get a lot out of it. And that's so important that you mentioned that, right? Because for the industry to stay healthy, uh, and this is you know a, a talk on a whole nother level, but but I, I think it, meant it bears weight to mention it. If, if you accept that as a diver, that the suck is, uh, is, is how it is, you know, I mean, it's supposed to be a pain in the ass to carry around that heavy weight belt. And it's supposed to be a pain in the ass to get cramps in your feet because you have never learned how to swim properly. If that is the norm, it will become the norm. Eventually, if you're persistent mm-hmm. enough that diving is your thing, but you accept that suck all the time it becomes the new norm and then you're on a very fragile point because if the dive community around you that you surround yourself with if they and it is usually based around a club or a dive shop or a center or some kind of community and they live off your back they live off giving you a good experience and if every time like you say come out the water how was the dive great perfect they think I did my job great and you must have done your job fantastically. You run a clean boat. You run a, like, like the boats we, we've, been, we've been on in, in Florida, right? Fantastic. Fun people to be around with. Perfect briefing. The safety was top notch. Everything was super duper. Underwater, the people had, a, some of them uh, struggled, right? I mean, some people came up on their own mm-hmm. boat and, and they came up alone. You know, remember we, we had a tag along on, on one of your dives, like all of a sudden I had a buddy and I didn't have a buddy yeah. before. And you know, if, if you don't as a dive professional, see that, like you say, and acknowledge that face expression that says this sucks, even though they're saying verbally, I had a great time, show them something different. It is your bloody obligation to show them that mm-hmm. is another way, right? And for some some years ago, I remember we were out on a boat dive with my with my dive center. I had a rip boat, and we had a, a, a customer. He had a stage bottle. He just took in a, a tech class, and he wanted to practice with his stage bottle um, on this simple dive. We're going to do a, a simple, 
you know, 50 foot dive, nothing crazy. So the first thing that comes into my mind, why does he need to practice with a stage bottle after the tech class that he passed? I mean, then that should kind of be the other way around. Anyway, that's beside the point. He was having such a stressful time because the boat was rocking a little bit and, you know, getting his fins on. And then he forgot to put his mask on. It was on the other end of the boat after he had put his fins on. It kind of like these stressors. And you see this uh, in people that they're, they're not in a happy place before they get into the water, right? Then the guy rolls mm-hmm. off backwards and he says to me, uh, give me my stage bottle. And and I'm an asshole sometimes. I'm like, no, you're not going to get your stage bottle. Either if you want it, <laughs> come out and get it yourself or just go diving without it. You're not going to get it from me today. Just go have fun. Forget the stage bottle. It's not here. It's in the port. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's looking at me. I can I can tell by his face expression was saying, you are an asshole. That was his expression. Uh, but anyway, he went down and he came back up and then he actually said to me, he said, you know what? Thanks for being a jackass and not giving me my stage ball because I really halfway through the dive finally started relaxing. And if I yeah. had the stage ball, I just knew it was going to be a train wreck. And this is, yeah. this is what to your point, right? It's like they're accepting that it's hard and they're not willing to accept that what you're doing in a pool is also hard, but that's hard in the good way. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. deliberate yeah. hard. You know it's going to be hard, right? I just did a, a run session today and a swim afterwards. I knew it was going to be hard, but hey, if I want right. certain times in a in a race I'm, I'm about to have, I need to put in the work there. I don't need to put the work in the race. And we translate this sometimes also to diving. And I say this very often to my students, like, hey, we train hard to dive easy because mm-hmm. that's what we want right? We don't want to train on a fun dive. We want to train on a training dive, have fun on a fun dive. That's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think this is, it's really important. I mean, embrace, you embrace the suck of, of building up to a level Yeah. that then you have proficiency or, you know, you, you're comfortable with to then go and use that level. It's kind of, I know, you know, at UTD, there's a lot of talk of, you know, the plateaued learning approach Yeah, and, you know, when you, when you're up in that you know, steep incline, like you're talking about, yeah, embrace the suck because you're you're purposely putting yourself in that situation. But then once you have got some level of comfortability with that skill or with that thing that's going to increase your enjoyment, then you go and and enjoy the the plateau, right? You go and use that skill, yeah, and you use that, and and it becomes part of your arsenal, and then. You know, as you advance, like you said, type of diving, depending on what you want to do, then you hit that another incline, right? And and another plateau and so on and so forth. And so I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that that's certainly um, one, if you're a diver out there and, and you felt that uncomfortability and you felt like, man, you know, yeah, I come up from the water and I say, oh, that was a lot of fun. But under the water, all I can do is think like, am I going to survive this or or, you know, this was a shit show, you know, then, you know, there's a, there's a personal responsibility that you can take and there's, there are pathways, right. Though, though I think we'll talk about a little bit later in the show, but I really like your point about the dive professionals, which is, you know, uh, we're both parents, we're both girl dads, you and I, Ben, <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, uh, I had an incident, my daughter's never going to forgive me for saying this on a podcast that got published, <laughs> but so be it. 
um, we had an incident where, you know, it's, it's kind of like the exact same thing where I walked out, um, you know, one morning and, um, and my daughter, my, my eight-year-old now had hair sticking up in the back of her head. And clearly it was a nice straight line cut that she had cut her hair. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and you go, Oh my gosh. And of course you're trying to balance like, you know, make, she's got to be self-conscious. Why did she do this? Blah, blah, blah. Of course, you don't want your kid cutting their own hair. I don't know why she did it. And it was <laughs> a big chunk. And then you say to her, hey, so what happened to your hair there? You know, it looks mm-hmm. like uh, it got cut. And the answer is, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean I have hair sticking out somewhere? And, of course, throughout the course of you know, 10 minutes, you see a big chunk of hair over here and one mm-hmm. that's been thrown under the couch and – you know that, and the, and the story comes out. Of course, she cut her hair, right? That's what happened because she had a snarl and she didn't know how mm. to deal with it, so she cut it. And instead of you know going through get me brushing it out or whatever, right? And it's kind of the same thing that you're talking about with a dive professional. That when the diver comes up and says, uh, you know, how was the dive? Oh, great dive! It was a great dive, you know. But there's a pile of hair laying on the ground and, that's, yeah. and a cut, you know, a straight line of, on the head. Like it's clear that's not the truth. And so there is a responsibility as well for our dive professionals out there, I think, um, to address that. Now, it's not, you know, you're out on the boat and you're, you're a dive master and you can't fix it in that moment. But it's also important to be able to say that was uncomfortable. Yeah. Or, hey, it looks like you were struggling you know, how did it really go for you? Not just, exactly. oh, you had a good time? Good. I'm going to get my my tip, you know, high five or whatever. Yeah. Hey, I noticed this and I'm wondering how you felt about it. I think that that honesty and, and the, the great dive phrase is always kind of the cover up. It's kind of like the underwater okay. You know, okay really means go away, F you, don't talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't mean I'm okay. It's the same thing when we come to the surface and say, great dive. Um oftentimes that 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 isn't doesn't mean what the words are saying right no, and i think that's true. an important piece it to, is important to notice these things and um, it, it, this might be a whole topic for another podcast like how to as a dive professional spot an uncomfortable diver because it's hard i mean it takes some experience to see if people are comfortable or uncomfortable either prior or after the dive for sure well, uh, yes. Let's let's maybe tackle that in in the next yeah. couple of episodes. We have three together. We have so three. It's yeah. Be, we have we have nothing but time. We have um, more than enough time of. to bore all of you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. Well, okay. So so we we know skills are important. I think that we can kind of draw the conclusion. Not only does it make you safer, right, but it also has a direct correlation to your enjoyment of the dive. And and we can you know like. Ben talked about some of those core skills, basic skills, right? Trim, buoyancy, breathing, you know, basic propulsion or finning techniques. These sorts of things are things that um, that directly tie into that importance of, of a skill. So let's let's maybe move to the next piece, which is to say, all right, so I'm convinced that skills are important beyond my open water, you know, where does the regulator go in my nose? You yeah. know? <laughs> like class. Um, uh, but uh, I'm convinced they're, they're important, but how do I know or how do I measure that I'm advancing? Yeah. Right? What are the markers that I look to, to tell me that I'm advancing? Cause usually the only way I know I'm advancing at something is someone else tells me. Yeah. 
Um, and so what are some of those markers I can look to? Um, what do you, Ben, and, and I as an instructor look to um, to know that somebody's advancing? And I think like it's important to also talk about in the segment a little bit of the men- – is there a mental piece to this? Is there – you know, it's not, it's not all motory skills. Is there a mental piece to, to advancement in your skills? So yeah. I don't know, what, what are your thoughts here? For sure. I think, um, there's a lot of things, uh, that you as a diver can do to measure your own advancement. And one big, big, big thing is be honest, be honest to yourself. Do not let yourself be lulled into that false sense of security that everything is fine and this is the way it's supposed to be. If it doesn't feel right for you, it's not supposed to be like that. Even though your buddy says, oh, it's just always what we do, you know? If you go on a dive, on a shore dive, and every bloody time you pop up to the surface because your buddy is gone or you can't navigate together, you can't communicate together, that's just how we dive. That's just our normal you know, if that doesn't feel or sit right with you, do something about it because you're probably right, you know. Um, so how can you yourself measure if your skills are advancing? A, are you noticing more things underwater on the same dives is a very key mm-hmm. thing. It's like if you're if you're a very new diver. And all of a sudden, you do the same dive on the same dive location and and you start seeing more and more small things, tiny little crustaceans on the bottom, a little snail that sticks his head out of a piece of wood or, you know, whatever um, you see, you you become more aware. That's a good telltale sign of your, like, your mental capacity opening up for more input because all the other stuff becomes more and more behind the scenes, like we talked about in the beginning. It becomes more autonomous to adjust your buoyancy and your breathing and your equalizing and your finning techniques and all that sort of stuff. So that's a good thing. Another thing is yeah, let, your team wait, wait, says Wait, I want to pause you there. Yeah? I want to pause you there for a second because th- this is a really interesting and important one. Um, and, and as you said that, I was thinking back to like, you know, the times that you're in a heavy training environment, it almost doesn't matter what water you're in, right? It Like you, like we were, for example, we can tell a story. We were, you were running my tech one course and I was a student and we had a, was it a hurricane or whatever it was that came through that, that took us out of the, out of the ocean. And so we went to this little hole. So shout out to Jules Underwater yeah. Seas Lodge, I think Seas it is. Lo- yeah, yeah, Underwater Lodge, yeah. Did I get it right? Yeah. 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 So we found this place and it works, right? Um, it worked. And I remember, you know, we're in a high, uh, you know, level of of training in terms of the the intensity of that training as we're going, you know, days are advancing and so on and so forth. And I remember, you know, for the most part, th- there was just no input. It didn't matter if we were in five feet of water or a hundred feet of water. It really wouldn't have been different. It didn't matter what was on the surface, but there was a manatee that came through. Yeah. And I remember there was this break in my mind where the manatee came through, which is such a rare thing that swam by us that it was like, oh my gosh, I'm in a really cool environment. I didn't even realize where I was. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That, that moment of like, all I was focused on was the team and the team skills and us accomplishing the goal that we're trying to do and the, and the training and the things that you're working on with us. I didn't even realize 
that we were in a cool environment. And then there goes a manatee that breaks that. Yeah. And so I love this measurement because I don't know if that's, that's a, a common way to think about it. But if you think to yourself, you know, hey, when I was my first open water class, all I was aware of was like, you know, <laughs> not nothing. You know, what I, mean? I was aware of, you know, where my my dive master was. So exactly, can, you know, the fins him. and the you ass know, of it. the dive master. You know, exactly. That's it. That's it. Fins ass. So I think that's a good one. It's like, you know, I don't know. We, we should play with that sometime. But like, I don't. You know, that's a good. How do you identify a non-stress diver as well, or the enjoyment is like, oh, what did you see? And you know, obviously, a freaking manatee swimming by you should be something. Like, if you should be really worried about me. If we come up from that dive and you go, wow, wasn't that cool that manatee went by? And I go like, what? <laughs> what happened? There's a 400-pound creature swam by. You didn't notice? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Maybe it's the size. Like, oh, the, the manatee, everyone should get that. If you don't see that, you're super stressed. Yeah. But down to the crab coming through the wood, maybe that's like, you know, you're super comfortable because you saw the small nuance. But it's true. There's so much nuance. Mm. And so I love that. I love that idea that like, as you're more aware of the environment, it actually is a reflection of you being comfortable yeah. in your skill set and that that has advanced. That, that's a really cool thing that I haven't heard before. So I wanted to pause you because I didn't want to kick off of that point because it was kind of profound in my mind and I wanted to make sure we got, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, that's true, right? And, and the other thing is, how can you tell if you're advancing? Like you said, if other people are acknowledging your skill level, if you come out of the water, it's like, hey, damn. Wow, you you really collected, and every time I look at you, you're looking at me, you know, and, and you get this, and then you know, okay, you're you're starting to get aware. Um, if you're a person that likes to take a, a camera with you underwater, so pictures or or video, uh, video, the steadier your video becomes, the better you're advancing in your skill level, because the more control you have over your GoPro or whatever camera you're using, Paralens or whatever it might be, so. Pictures are also, if you're getting more pictures of the fish looking at you, than you're chasing the tail of a fish, it becomes <laughs> more aware. Uh, a, you can become better as a, as, a, as a photographer to frame your shot. That's one thing. But also your skill level has to be at a certain point for you to, to be able to frame that shot like you want it to. So that's also a good metric of, of checking how your skill level goes. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that's good. I think there's the other one to think about too for markers for me um, uh, that I know I'm advancing. You know, I remember I, I learned to play guitar in college and I remember I thought guitar was like this magical instrument. I had no idea how people could all be on the same page mm. playing music together like this. You know, it was just a mystery. And I remember I, I got my first guitar um or I didn't get my first guitar. I didn't have a guitar yet. And I went to college and I started to learn because some of my dorm mates played guitar. And I remember staying, you know, behind from, I skipped classes. Yes, mom, I skipped classes uh, in, in college. And I'd go steal my buddy's guitar and I'd just sit there and try Cause it was like, I could play a song that I just heard on the radio and, you know, not a, not on Spotify. It didn't exist then. So actually, uh, Napster existed then, so mm. it was early days Napster. So I would, I would, I downloaded on Napster. I could listen, I could play on the guitar, and there was this, you know, as you would learn, because that's a heavy motory, you know, activity as well in terms of guitar. I fell in love with it, and 
I remember I couldn't do certain things. So I just skipped that part of the song, you know, yeah, <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. pick it back up. Right. When I could play the, that particular chord or I could play that run or whatever it was. And then you start to see as time goes on, you know, oh, I can play that part of the song now. Right. That's a pretty blatant one. But I remember one time there was, you know, when there was a song that I was playing, all of a sudden something I've been working on um, for a long time that I just would have to kind of skip just happened. It wasn't like I was thinking about it or hard or anything. It just all of a sudden it happened, right? And I think there's a correlation there to, to diving in the sense that as you start to work those skills, there's a moment where there isn't an effort, a mental effort, or even necessarily a physical effort. And all of a sudden it just, the back kick happened, yeah. right? Or the, you know, the retrieval of the SMB from the pocket happened, right? Rather than, uh, you know, I'm struggling and I have to get this thing out and I have to go through the the process of it every single time in my head. And, oh, I screwed up that, you know, that part and I dropped the reel and there it goes to the bottom, you know, all yeah. these sorts of things. All of a sudden the SMB is in your hand and you're ready to inflate it, you know? And so I think that that's a good way too to, to mark, to mark like, Hey, I, this was an advancement is when all of a sudden you're surprised yourself that, Oh, it just it happened. Yeah. That, that's that next plateau. Like, oh, okay, it all finally clicked. And it's not an immediate thing. So I think that's a good marker as well to to think about is is you do have those surprise aha moments, something mm. that you've been working really hard on. And all of a sudden it takes no mental or physical effort for that, like it takes no mental or physical effort now for me to engage a back kick. It just happens. Yeah. It's, because it's I need a natural thing. It's become part of your right. skill set. Yeah. And I, I exactly. think you touch on a very good point there because is sometimes you've, we're so fortunate, right? That, that the students we have as UTD instructors, uh, especially in, uh, if they come from another path within the industry and they now want to take one of our essentials classes, which are basically only skill basing uh, skill building classes right it's what we call personal skills classes it's like how do you build your toolbox of things that keep you in control and give you a better a better uh, situational awareness that's basically what it's all been about the the flip side of that coin is that you, these are super eager students that really want to train they really they, they embrace the suck like this is this is yeah let's go beat us up, you know? Uh, and I always tried when we finish those classes, say, okay, now, now hold back. Now go and do three dives, normal fun dives, and then one training dive. And then three normal dives, and then one training dive. And pick one thing that you want to train. Because what you sometimes hear is that, ah, oh, yeah, but always we finish a dive and then we practice a little bit here and we, then, you know, we practice a little bit there. And before you know it, every single dive becomes a training dive. Now, there's only so many things you can pile on top of a person before it becomes too much. Um, again, if we take a correlation to endurance training, if I want to become faster at 70.3 Ironmans, I cannot just do a 70.3 half Ironman every single day and expect I get better. I will break down, mm. right? If I mean, it's just not going to happen. So I yeah. need to break it down into certain pieces and then focus on a certain aspect and then enjoy that process. And then eventually it'll come. And with diving, it's the same thing. I will 
guarantee you at 99% of the divers, let's take a back kick as an example, practice and practice and practice the back kick. And then on a dive where they're not thinking about it, boom, it's all of a sudden, geez, hey, I move. Ah, okay, now it's clicking, right? Because your body learns behind the scenes in the same way that your body adapts to inputs. So if we're physically training up for something, if you're going to the gym and lifting weights, you are not getting stronger in the instant you're picking up those dumbbells and crunching, uh, lifting weights. You're actually getting weaker at that point. But what happens afterwards is like your body responds. It's like, hey, damn, you're going you're gonna to lift heavy weights. Okay, you've just, you destroyed my muscle tissue. I'll better repair and make them stronger. So next time you get this crazy idea to lift weights, I'm ready for it. And that happens on your downtime. That happens on the recovery. Talk to any mm -hmm. professional athlete is the recovery is even more important than the actual training session. If you don't recover, you never grow from what you've learned. And with diving, it's the same thing. In the beginning of the podcast, you, you asked something about, hey, is there a mental portion to this? And for sure, definitely, because... Because it's such an alien environment, everything is on high alert in your body. Like from a, from all the way from a mammalian diving reflex point of view to the fact that you're just in a very hostile environment. <laughs> I mean, we're not mm -hmm. supposed to be yeah. there. We're heavily dependent on that equipment to keep us alive. So that plays a mind game uh, for some people more than others. Um, and so for sure, there is a mental aspect to this training and that happens when your mind your brain can build new pathways and new neural links and that takes a little bit of time that's how memory works right i mean how can you remember new stuff when you learn stuff especially your brain needs to some time to process it same thing with diving yeah yeah and to use it right exactly right i mean it's it's the, it's exactly that it's you know i love the analogy to the muscles a lot of people don't realize when you when you lift something heavy, it's actually tearing the muscles, yeah. right? Very, very microscopically in some ways. Um, and then the the growth in the muscle becomes exactly that, the repair, which which you have to fuel. I mean, and like you talk about athletes, you know, if you just, you know, fuel up for your lift, but then you don't actually fuel up for the recovery of that, yeah. right, with the right proteins and things – then, then the muscle is not being rebuilt in the most efficient way, or sometimes it can actually have a big damage. If all you do is lift heavy weights every single day and don't have the right recovery routine and fuel for that, um, then you're going to hurt yourself, right? That's common knowledge for the most part. Well, exactly. That's how people get injured. Exactly. And the same thing yeah. goes for the mental police and diving. If all you do is train hard and it sucks and you've there's no point to whatever you're training as you see this time and time again when you get people preparing for a tech class or an essentials of tech class and they start practicing the curriculum of the course before they're coming onto the course it's like what are you doing you know we're gonna teach you how to train this stuff that's the whole idea of these training these courses uh, and this is why most of our utd classes are pass fail classes because they should be <laughs> scuba diving <laughs> right. courses should be that because that's what you're paying for in the end of the day anyway so if you're going in and you get these people 
that go have a false sense of security that they can do a valve drill perfectly because every time they've been swimming around with their buddy that has no clue about what they're about to do and they're swimming beside each other and one guy is just you know haphazardly turning on knobs behind his back he becomes like oh man i'm the super master I'm I'm the Bruce Lee of valve drills. You bring it on, buddy. You know? And they come to the course and you put a line on the sand and you say, you stay on that side of the line. I stay on this side of the line. Do your valve drill. And he flies everywhere. And you get this this spiraling diver, right? You get this swimming back to, toward you, before you, towards you, towards you. And yeah, then they have yeah. to make this swim around the line and come back, start over again. And they come out the water and, you know, the face is as red as a tomato. They're steaming. They're, they're looking on eBay what they can sell their equipment for because they're so frustrated. They've trained this stuff. It always works. Right. It always works. Yeah, when you're swimming around, it works. But you have right. to do it when you're steady. So if you would have right. practiced the basics, staying still, just looking at a plant or whatever – you would have had a great time, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's, sometimes it's 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 tricky to to stop yourself and 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 train whenever it's needed, but then also enjoy the plateau, like you said. Take that win, yeah. you know. Take that win, whatever you've learned, and 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 roll with it, and then let's see what happens. Be disciplined. Put a plan yeah. in, and this is, I think, why the coaching program works so well. I mean, you've got some coaching students why you can spread it out and just give them one job, one little tiny little and become super proficient at that little point and then yeah. move to the next one for sure. Yeah. And I think that kind of is the, is the wrap up in some ways of this episode is that, you know, what, what is the best way to plan for that skill advancement? Yeah. And I think what you're saying in some ways is, you know, the popular phrase is always don't try and boil the ocean, but I think that there are um, spurts, certainly, at least my advice would be, there are things I identify, for example, I have, a, I have a student right now who's in our coaching program. And we started with with basics of, of buoyancy, just breathing, right? Mm. And can we do some some up and down um, on a line and and breathe it? And you notice, yeah, he's actually doing a really good job of being able to control his buoyancy but he's exactly doing the whole, what do you call it, a spiraling diver thing, mm. right? So as soon as he's trying to look at the line, you see him just kind of drifting this way, drifting that way, and kick this way and come all the way around and then figure eight back to the spot. And, you know, you see it all. And so in the review of that, you go, okay, great. The, the breathing, we can see it. We can be a little more aggressive if we want to you know, breathe out a little harder or breathe in a little bit faster, you know, when we're trying to move levels and, and hold things. But what do you think the the issue is with this exercise? What's going on here? Why why do we keep disappearing off the frame and coming back all of a sudden? Oh, well, you know, I'm trying to hold my position and it's really hard to do that. And we go, okay, well, there it is. There's the spot to put the attention on right now. We don't need to focus on the breathing. We need to focus on the positioning kicks. Mm. And so it wasn't me saying that. It was him saying, here's what I'm struggling with based on what I see on the video and us talking about it, you're great. Okay. Well, what are the things that we should do? We should have in place in order for you to hold that position straight on that line. My back kick. Yep. That's where we're going to start focusing. Yep. And so we've spent the last month on just let's practice this, dial it in. And you see the progression in the video 
of him going from this figure eight diver, you know, around the line to a little bit less figure eight to, Hey, in this whole video, you didn't turn around once and swim forward. You actually, yeah, it wasn't perfect. We lost a little buoyancy when you were doing the back kick, but okay. And so I think that find if you're, if you're wanting to advance, my advice, number one would be find that things that, that you need that, that maybe in the foundation is missing that you need in order to unlock the next piece. Yeah. Because there's no way in heck that we're going to be successful with shooting an SMB if we can't hold the position on a line in just a, you know, a breathing drill. Exactly. So find that thing that you need to work on. Have you identified an area and then put the focus and intention on that thing until it's now part of that foundation and then layer the next thing on top of it. So I think that that's the advice that I have is if I, if I ask, if you ask me, what's your weakness, what are you working on right now? Right. I would tell you there was a moment in my training where I couldn't reach my left uh, valve fast enough in a roll off. And that's the thing that I have been working on is making sure that I can always just constantly am touching my valves mm. and making sure that's comfortable because I want to make sure that in an emergency, there is there's no hesitation for my left hand or my right hand to get to that valve. Yeah. Right. And so that's the thing I'm working on right now. Right. I'll, constantly. I'm in the water. If I'm with students, I'm just, I'm not turning them on and off. I'm just reaching back and touching them. Touch like, it. can I touch it? Yeah. Right. Can I get it? Um, and, and that's kind of, again, building up. It's a, it's a small thing, but it's going to build up to where that's automatic and I no longer have to think about, I need to reach, for, I need to twist my arm the right way and, make sure I'm not arching my back the wrong way and all those sorts of things. And so exactly. If you can touch it, you can touch it. You can turn it. That's it. Exactly. You don't need Fine. to do a valve touch drill turn. by turning the valves. You need to do a valve drill by staying in position and being able to reach them. That's it. That's all yeah. you need. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think that's a good thing to think about is if someone approached you right now, I'm not ta- asking you this, Ben, I'm just saying out yeah, there in, in, general. in, in the yeah. scuba verse, if someone approaches you right now, and says, what are you working on in your diving? Do you have an answer? Yeah, exactly. And if you don't, that's something <laughs> that you need to work on. If you do, then yeah, you need to develop the plan for how you're going to address that. And, and, you know, it doesn't always have to be a course to do so. So that would be my advice is always have something that you're you're focused on. And it doesn't have to be, you know, like Ben said, every dive is a training dive. That's not true. But what are you focused on? What are you thinking about? Where, where's that next thing that's going to unlock the next level of enjoyment for of diving for you or, or the next level of safety? If you don't have an immediate answer when I said that a, a minute ago, then that's the area to start with, mm. right, is to say this is what I really want to focus on. Yeah, exactly. And that's I think that's also before we go, I think I really want to get across is that so many divers become become so – misguided by their own routines that they think they have a ton of experience just because they've done the same dives or the same sort of dives so many times that they become super proficient at that dive so they become super routine now routine is in no way the same thing as experienced because experience is something you get from something that happened differently than what it normally would so a, mm. a small failure uh, a small mishap you know whatever 
that gives that builds experience um so routine happens from doing the same thing over and over again without anything going awry everything goes exactly as planned that's routine you know you drive to work the same route every day until that morning where you have a meeting out in town in another location you drive but it's the first half of the journey is the same that's the same uh, direction chances are you're gonna go and miss the the turn because on routine you're just gonna go straight for the office or wherever right uh, so in diving you do the same dive over and over again you get routined and it becomes super dangerous because all of a sudden you become unaware of the things that you don't know and it's usually in 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 divers with a medium to higher level of years in the sport and dives behind them because think about it whenever you hear of something tragic that happened in the news it's always a very experienced diver or an instructor yada 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 it's never a new and unexperienced diver was in trouble it's hardly ever you hear this because they're so aware about the fact that there's so many things that they know they don't know Mm-hmm. Whereas you got this instructor or this super experienced diver that has a lot of a, a routine, becomes unaware of the fact that there's shit tons he doesn't know. But he doesn't know he doesn't know or she doesn't know. And I think this is important. So get yourself out of your comfort zone every so often. Challenge yourself not to take a next course, but just to keep yourself in check of what is real. A reality check is healthy, even if you have no wish to progress, because all of a sudden something can pop along and you've lost a certain skills. Like, okay, wow, geez, uh, an air share becomes a bit more tricky than you think. Or passing a bottle, uh, you hear in certain circles, right? Hey, uh, you know what? I'll dive my rebreather. I've been diving my rebreather for the the last five years, you know? Do a bailout, you know, every so often. If you know you're going to need another gas in your bailout cylinder, don't just stand there and empty it out. Use that gas you have on the previous dive and do a bailout. Practice it. Share gas with your team. Mm -hmm. Stay on top of it. Get yourself out of your comfort zone every so often. Do not become too complacent. That's, I guess, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I, I couldn't. Couldn't say that better. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, we should wrap this one up then. Um, well, man, Ben, this has been fun for our first one together. Yeah. And I love this topic. Like, how do I know my skill set is advancing as a diver? And like, I feel like this could have been like a whole eight episodes. Two hours long. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, so much. Same. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> um, but uh, obviously, we, we would just, we wouldn't be bored, but I think everyone else out there would be well, bored. Yeah stiff so we will stop it here yeah <laughs> come back to it later but uh yeah we want to hear your thoughts out there in the scuba verse uh, how do you approach your skill development you know what um are the ways that you've been trying to measure or have been successful in measuring your own advancement and what are some ways that you would approach you know a plan for your development or a plan for how you want your skills to develop so we would love to hear from you. Uh, you can obviously reach out to, to me, Jay at the dive table.com or Ben, Ben at UTD scuba diving.com and share your thoughts. Uh, we would love to hear, you know, your 
ideas and, and experience. And I'm sure um, we will respond to those because we definitely want to hear you. So um, thanks for joining us t- today. And, and I'll hand it over to Ben to kind of wrap this one up. Yeah. Uh, thank, uh, thank you for inviting me, Jay. It was it was a pleasure. It was fun uh, talking about this topic. You know, I'm passionate about this part of teaching because this is one of the things I think that sets uh, us as an organization apart that we really focus on this personal skill level. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode and that you want to be part of this episode and this growing community. You can join us by making sure you subscribe to this podcast and do it wherever you listen to podcasts. It's on all the platforms. So make sure that you get notified on new episodes when they drop. And yeah, without further ado, I think I have to pick up my wife at the train station in about five minutes. So I think that's me. Yeah, you better hustle, buddy. You better hustle. All right. Thanks for joining us today. And we look forward to having you back on the next episode of The Dive Table. The Dive Table is a production of Fish Dive Surf Incorporated and a member of the Fish Dive Surf Podcast Network. You can find out more at www.fishdivesurf.com. 